0: Thank mm-hmm. you. How are you doing? I'd start off, Jeremiah, by saying one thing, and this isn't my quote, I have to attribute this to Tom Dutra. He always says,
1: tough times don't last, tough people do.
0: Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. Uh, Joining me today is someone I have been dying to talk to. I do that a lot these days, but I mean it. Uh, This is John Arnold who you probably know from hopefully you know from his uh newsletter get concacaft he is one of the uh the clearest and most well-resourced voices uh or best sourced voices uh covering uh central american and mexican and everything south of the united states in english uh And I wanted to talk to you about the whole situation at Lyon, but also kind of get to know you a little bit better. John, thank you for coming
1: on. Yeah, it's good to be here. I'm always happy when it's uh, CONCACAF Champions League time and uh, even more so when the games are intriguing and the narrative is is going beyond simply it's Mexican teams in the final again. Not that I haven't covered my fair share of those, but uh, (laughs) it's been fun. So looking forward to chatting today, man.
0: Yeah, so here we are. Uh, We're coming off of a pretty wild day in CONCACAF. Uh, you covered this on Twitter spaces last night, but uh, just to sort of set the table for this final day of the, or this final two days of the CONCACAF champions league quarterfinals. What, how would you describe what happened last night between New
1: York city and communicaciones? Mm. Uh, I mean, we could say CONCACAF. Like it, it was, it was <laughs> just one of those moments where I think, you know, w- as we'll talk about, like the Sounders have a 3-0 lead in Mexico, the Revs have a 3-0 lead in Mexico City, and it's not safe. This is the tournament. This is the competition. And you could say the same thing about UEFA Champions League or Libertadores, and I think this is a sign, um, a clear sign that the CONCAP Champions League is coming into its own as a, CONCAC, as a Continental Club championship when you see these teams it's so easy i think to focus on just mexico which is one every edition and mls which is growing and fighting but these central american teams especially the giants you know Comunicaciones, is one of the two biggest teams in guatemala olympia in 2020 making the semifinals one of the two or three biggest teams in honduras is saprisa in costa rica when they're able to make a run you know they had a pretty pretty tight series with, with uh with pumas this this year and they've had other you know fantastic series you see that these teams can belong. And so often it's, it's you know, farcical sometimes when teams pop up, you know, like Suriname's champion rolling out in CONCACAF league play with their own uh, owner <laughs> and 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 vice president of Suriname, you know, they, so often it's in the headlines for, for farce. But soccer is serious business in a lot of these places. And, and a lot of these teams are good and these guys are talented. And I think you're starting to see that kind of manifested. So I'm, I'm fascinated to see what the new format is. But you know we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. I think last night was just a great example of an MLS team kind of taking its foot off the gas, thinking that the job is done. You know, four substitutions in minute 59 and 60 by Ronnie Daila. and all of a sudden I think Cremas Comunicaciones is just like, oh, we can do this. Like we're still we're still fighting for this. We're still up for this, and they almost were. You know, five five on aggregate. NYCFC moves through only on away goals after winning three one in the home leg. So. Nothing is safe. Nothing is wrapped up. And these teams do care. You know, it would be an absolutely massive result for the, for, for a Guatemalan team to make the semifinals, of the CONCACAF Champions League. I think it's easy to see these, these, these other teams as jobbers, you know, as like those wrestlers who you just call in to lose to the star. Right. Uh, But they're not. They have ambitions. They have hopes. They have players that want to play well, that they want to show that they can play in MLS, that they could play in Europe. Um, You know, I've talked to a couple guys throughout the course of this tournament already that have told me, look, this is my shop window. This is where I can say and show I can play in MLS or I could play in in, in an even bigger league. Um, I just need the chance. So. Uh, I think you saw a lot of those things kind of encapsulated in what ended up being a pretty darn thrilling uh, second leg. And and I'm hopeful that we have, you know, look for MLS fans, heart and blood pressure, hopefully not as nerve (laughs) wracking for MLS fans, but I'm hoping we have some equally exciting and thrilling uh, games in these last three that we've got.
0: Well, I bet that we can have exciting and thrilling tonight. And then on Thursday, (laughs) Sounders will just cruise. Uh, They'll get an early goal and then just see it out. Uh, But joking aside, I I think that the thing that has struck me in watching this tournament over the years, and and I've got to watch a lot of it, mainly through the lens of Sounders, but I've seen, especially when you look at a Comunicaciones or a Montagua or an Olympia, these, like, if you watch these players, they are not, it's not like they're, like, I think we have this idea of, like, what a Central American soccer player looks like, Mm. and these are athletes, just as much, like, they're, like, Montagua had a bunch of guys who would have not looked out of place at all in MLS, and and especially in that first leg, I think they gave the Sounders everything they could handle, and it was really only late in the second leg when it looked like they had sort of given up the fight, where the where that series got out of hand. But if you just look at the way that they're coached, their attitudes, their athletic ability, their skill, like across the board, these are not especially at the big clubs in these Central American countries. They're ready to play, and I think that they probably take some degree of offense to the idea that uh mls teams certainly mls fans are just kind of looking past them
1: for sure for sure i mean i think there there is a lot of desire to prove something i think that was you know behind uh, it's like a very macro concept. I'm not saying the players are literally coming onto the field as substitutes thinking like now's our chance to show MLS, the, you know, like, right, that their right. their narrative is wrong. But like, I think that there is this, you know, like two of the guys who came in last night, Lina Garcia, Oscar Santos are like potential Guatemala internationals for the future. Um, and, and I think are guys that you're going to be seeing for years to come, right. They've, are not bad players. They are international caliber. They are good enough to play in these types of games. They're coming off the bench. You're seeing these squads get a little deeper. I think, you know, Motago, you mentioned like they had a couple guys who were linked to some, some who ended up in MLS. They had a, a defender who actually had a terrible series in the CONCAC champions league uh, who was just a kind of stone's throw away from moving to Argentina. So, you know, yeah, they're not, they're not bad. Most of these guys are not bad players. I think you see the same thing that you see in MLS where there are some guys who are, almost certainly too good for the league or too good for the team, quote unquote, or on the verge of big moves. There are some guys who it's probably the right level for them. And there's some guys who maybe, you know, the depth pieces aren't up to the depth pieces in these other leagues. And that's where you see, you know, Motagua late. They're not hanging with Seattle once they've kind of given up the fight, but Comunicaciones against some kind of shell-shocked, I think, NYCFC subs. They're like, cool, we know how to play here. This is our home stadium and and we're going to get everything we got. So I I definitely think the tournament, look, I've been watching it like a sicko for for more than a decade now, whenever the format changed and even before. uh, But I definitely think you're seeing a tournament that legitimately is entertaining for the neutral to uh, enjoy. Yeah, no, I would totally agree with that. Uh, Turning the page to Leon, though,
0: this is a different situation than what we have sort of uh, approached these, the early part of this discussion. Leon is, no one's overlooking Leon, certainly not coming into this one. Leon was, at least on paper, the best of the Liguez teams uh, coming into the tournament. They were, uh, at the time, they were, I think, third in the table. They were coming off of an appearance in the Ligila, uh final they had just won Leagues Cup. Sounders obviously had were familiar with them. They had kind of run through most of their MLS competition in that tournament uh, pretty easily. Uh, but they are right now in a very weird place. Uh, the Sounders ended a six-game. They were on a six-game unbeaten streak. Sounders obviously ended that with a 3-0 win. And then they followed that up with a 3-0 loss at home to Tigres, uh, which included fans of León chanting Fuera Olan, which is the... Fire the the head coach essentially, and then
1: oh, what Leon, happened yeah.
0: after that? What is what is going on in León?
1: Yeah, there were you know so that 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 was Saturday. The reports are, and these are you know multiple reports from well-sourced reporters there that there was kind of crisis talks between Jesus Martinez, the president of León, who's like a very active president. I don't know who you maybe compare him to in MLS, but like you know Bob Kraft in in MLS and in NFL, where it's like oh, an owner that everyone knows, kind of very active with his team, likes to. And move some of the chess pieces on the board a little bit. It's worked out for him. Um, I would call him kind of a younger progressive owner, even though it's hiring Olan, you know, I think was, this was a guy who is well, well respected in Latin American coaching circles uh, has, has been kind of, I don't want to say picky about the jobs he takes, but you don't, you don't, he's not on the kind of uh, retread manager cycle where you just see him pop up everywhere. He's, he's kind of a, a thinker of the game actually has a background in women's soccer transitioned into the men's game. So, you know, is a well-respected um, manager who was kind of seen as a coup for Leon to bring in. So he goes to meet with the president. And I think in kind of the Latin American tradition, I think there's been some confusion on the English translations, like says basically, Hey, this was terrible. This isn't good enough. I resign. And Martinez said, No, no, no. I don't accept this. You don't need to resign yet. Um, but you know, <laughs> lose six... Sounders. yeah, exactly. Well, I, I'm not so sure he's coaching for his job necessarily against the Sounders. Leon is still in a decent place in the league. Yeah. Um, even though they they did have that loss to Tigres, they're still sitting seventh. That's good enough for the playoffs, which are extremely expensive now in Mexico. Um, but Basically, they're in a fine place as far as that goes. It's just you do start to see some of the indications that, hey, this might be taking a bit of a nosedive. The start to the season was OK. And then they fired off that run of six unbeaten. But I think, you know, Wastatoya, with all respect and love and the things that we're mentioning about about these CONCACAF teams strengthening, I think was probably um, the weakest team that actually played a game. Cavalry, the Haitian team, didn't get to, to play. Um, but I think Wastatoya was the weakest team after that. Leon took care of business, but nothing impressive and, and had a home win. Against the uh, okay Chivas team, a road win against a pretty bad Nakaxa team, and then a draw, and then a bad uh, a win against the bad Juarez team. So like, there's been nothing quite mm. impressive about the Leon run. Maybe it's unfair to say that because hey, you still uh, avoided defeat in six games in a row. But no, it's I a, think a fair
0: context though.
1: Things are tense, right? I, th- I think things are tense, and and you say, yeah, they won. They went six undefeated won several games in there, but if you can't win the ones that really matter, what are we doing here? And mm-hmm. Leone is a club where I think Leagues Cup glory aside uh, has been <laughs> frustrated by this kind of nearly there, right? Because mm-hmm. they, they have kind of put themselves in the picture and, and won titles that are maybe unexpected. But now I think there is a level of expectation that comes with that past success. And it hasn't really, uh, Olaan hasn't really lived up to that standard. So when things start to go a little wrong, I think that there's understandably a level of pressure from a fan base that's now thinking we should have won that final against Atlas. We should be lifting trophies more often. We should be competing in the CONCACAF Champions League where Leonis is, you know, in the last, what, three editions has stumbled What's going on here? So I think the pressure is certainly on, even though, you know, you could say, well, it's three nil, like we're not going to come back from it. Uh, that's not the mentality. That's not the, the the public comments. The comments are, hey, we're going to go for this. We're going to try and turn this around because that's who we are and that's what we have to do. So definitely pressure pack moments for Alon. He has to get this game plan right. And they have to show something in this game for kind of the project to continue.
0: Yeah. And to give a little bit more context, looking back at it, uh, it was the last champions league where they were eliminated by LAFC after winning the first leg two zero at home. And then they, they got demolished three zero on the road against uh, LAFC. And then I think the tournament before that, they, uh, they lost to Toronto FC or no, I guess that's reversed. I think I have them backwards. Yeah. Last tournament, they lost to Toronto FC and then the tournament before that they lost to LAFC. Uh, and so it would be pretty, like, I would imagine this, I'm guessing this is would be a first, theoretically, if they were to be eliminated three years in a row by an MLS team. That's probably the first time that's ever happened to a Liga MX team. If for no other reason, then it seems like the teams that are in this tournament every year from Mexico are different. So there's very very, very few opportunities to even do it three times in a row. But uh, it's not a great streak. I would imagine it's a it's a bit of a, a frustrating situation for uh, fans of León, who, it should be said, uh, my understanding are some of them like, like they don't have the biggest stadium, but they're one of the stadiums that are constantly packing it in, right?
1: Yeah, I've I've been to the Camp Nou, uh, lovely stadium. It's one of my favorite places in Mexico, the state of Guanajuato, um, and it is, I would say, kind of a very footballero culture. Like people really do care about the team; they're they're keeping up with the with the results, and and it's definitely you know it's not one of Mexico's traditional cuatro grandes for big big teams. That's América, Chivas, Pumas, and Cruz Azul. It's not one of the big money teams that we see in Monterrey. Monterrey, Los Rayados and Tigres. Uh, so they, they kind of fit in this, you know, uh, upstart uh, category where they're, you, know, you could say they're overachieving, uh, but maybe not because they do have a history of, of winning titles. They won the B Campeonato with with Rafa Marquez after he left New York Red Bulls, actually. It's a, it's a proud team. And so I think certainly to lose to in a continental competition three times in a row to an MLS team, to MLS teams is, is not going to go over well. Uh, especially where it seems like for various reasons that this tournament is there to be won you know it's the, we haven't seen a clear favorite establish themselves i you know it's tough to put an mls team as the favorite because an mls team has never won this competition I like what the Sounders have shown. I've written that kind of consistently, but then they had that stretch at the start of the season where I'm sure you guys covered much more in depth than I did, where it's like, this is concerning. Like, I don't know if this is going to work out. So I think like Leon fans probably see a path, get excited. And then if those expectations aren't met, it's got to be extremely frustrating. So I think one of the other frustrations is we can kind of get into the, you know, what's going wrong and what's happening on the field is like a lot of the players who are pretty consistently among the best performers haven't really been at the level that they need to be. I think there's a, potential that this team is kind of aging out of its window of opportunity. It's window to win titles. Angel Mena is an Ecuador international, fantastic player, just returning from a knee knock. And I think it was kind of, Hey, we've we six undefeated and we've got Mena back. This is in the bag. And then Mena just hasn't shown what he typically shows. He Don was Pocanto the one who gave up
0: the penalty, I think in the, in the first leg that got and, and, things and, going and
1: then missed a penalty of his own in that Tigres game that would have made things one 0 Leon. And then all of a sudden it's three nil and game over. Rodolfo Cota is, is one of uh, a better, you know, one of Mexico's better goalkeepers in the national team picture. Had a, I thought, pretty good first leg against the Sounders, even though he allowed three goals. Oh yeah, I would agree. Two huge gaffes on the weekend, so he's kind of back in hot water, and and you know, people are pinning the defeat on him, understandably. Shut. So he had a pretty terrible game. Uh, you got Elias Hernandez, usually lining up on the other wing across from Mena. He's into you know, wrong side of his thirties, hasn't really shown much, and even some of the younger kind of prospects. Uh, You look at like a Santiago Ormeño. He's not that much younger, but a Peru international forward. He hasn't been able to get into rhythm. We haven't seen Victor Davila do that much. Like a lot of the guys who Leon fans expect to perform aren't performing. And I think that's where a lot of the frustration is coming in because for so many years, you've watched these guys have success. And then all of a sudden they're just bad. And and you're like, what's going on here? And, And bad is harsh. They're just haven't been able to do what they typically do for a run of three or four games. So you know, the pressure is certainly on those veteran players as well to rise to this occasion and, and show that they still have what they, what they used to have, or else I think you could see a, a total refresh at some point in low.
0: So looking at this situation that the Sounders are going to be going into a, what, what do you think the atmosphere is going to be like there? And do you think that that works in this? Like, Cause I have to imagine it's sort of like a cauldron. Like it's like if, if it starts going badly, you know, we could start hearing olays and we can start hearing all the kind of stuff that we hear uh, when uh, Mexican fans sort of turn on their team. Sure. But I could imagine it also going the exact opposite way. Like if if Leon grabs an early goal and all of a sudden the momentum changes, my expectation is that uh, suddenly that becomes a very hostile environment and, yeah. uh, and the Sounders could very easily find themselves under fire.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it, it, it won't be an easy atmosphere. Uh, it sounds like, you know, I've... I've You've seen a couple, bit of bit of Twitter chatter. Listen to a podcast or two where people are saying, "Hey, let's still get to the stadium. Let's support our teams. We're known for supporting them in the good and the bad." Uh, so, you know, I think that it'll be a decent attendance, and and that people will still turn out uh, to see this game, which means I think that it'll be a tough atmosphere. It's it's. It's not an easy spot to play in. Uh, it is a good a good vibe, I would say. You know, it's everything in Mexico right now, as far as atmosphere is a little tempered by the the tragedy that we saw in Queretaro a few weekends ago. But uh, typically we see vibrant support, family atmosphere, and, and, and a loud stadium in León, I would say, uh, when people are there now. And then you get a weird one where no one kind of uh, turns up to. But uh, I think it's usually a pretty good crowd, and I think the Sounders will be in a tough spot because I do think even though the the 3-0 the aggregate sits at three nil. I think people are going to be interested in this game. I think people are going to turn out at least from what I'm hearing from people who may be a little biased. If they create Leon content online, they want people to like Leon. They want people to show up, but I think we definitely could see a, a tough atmosphere and, and you know, the first time that the Sounders have been in that sort of situation this year. So look, you got to keep your head. And that's what, you know, New York City FC certainly showed that last night. If I'm Schmetzer, if I'm any of the other coaches of an MLS team, I'm making darn sure my guys see the highlights, at least from that NYC FC Comunicaciones game. And the lesson, of course, is don't let that be us. Like, do not not lose your focus. Do not lose your head because it's going to be hostile. It's going to be hard. And we just need to get this and move on because I think you also have to say for the Sounders, you know, like I'm saying, there's no favorite. The path is there, but you could get punched in the mouth and that'd be pretty embarrassing if you lose a 3-0 aggregate, right? And I think if it's 1-0 and the crowd's yelling and Angel, Angel Mena's celebrating and looking like the Angel Mena of old, it gets in your head, right? So I, I think it could be a difficult mental game and maybe just a tough mental task for the Sounders as as actually tactically and physically.
0: Yeah, and I think this is this is the first time the Sounders will be playing in front of fans in uh, Champions League. Like, they, they didn't play in front of fans in uh, Montagua, Montagua when they when they played Olympia in twenty. 20 there they weren't playing in their home stadium so it was Mm -hmm. like not the classic home arena so this is like for this group of sounders this is really the in a lot of ways this is a new test for them uh which will be which will be very interesting uh but you brought this up and I kind of wanted to touch on this a little bit how much is the whole situation around Queretaro hanging over uh Mexican teams right now And, and is it more of a coincidence that Uh, the weekend, the week following that whole situation that the Liga Mackey's teams fell so flat? Or is that, do you think that those two situations could be related?
1: I don't think that the on-field performance is affected. I I wouldn't be surprised to see specifically Caretro have a bit of a, tonight they play a quote-unquote home game that's going to be at a neutral site. They'll have closed doors games for the next year. Uh, after those ugly scenes of violence, I think we could see them nosedive, and I actually also think that attendances could nosedive just because Mexican soccer really has been a family atmosphere. You, it's not at all uncommon to see, you know, mom and dad and three kids in the stands, all wearing their jerseys, all eating popcorn and cotton candy, and 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 sometimes ramen noodles, my favorite weird Mexican concession item, but. Uh, <laughs> It's not uncommon to see that that family vibe. And I think that, you know, if you're a parent, you are potentially fairly asking, like, is this an environment I want to put my kids in? Or if you're just a, a single woman, or even a single man, like, it doesn't matter. Like, I think anyone sees that and is like, well, that's not necessarily a place I want to be. I will say, like, it's also dangerous, I think, to get into this idea of like, well, Carretero is León, León is Tijuana, Tijuana is Monterrey, because just like in the US, where Seattle and LA are extremely different, and both of them are extremely different from Dallas or Orlando, like, there are differences in Mexican cities and cultures as well. So I, I feel like if there's an influence on the Mexican teams, it's at the gate. It's with the environment. It's with the atmospheres, you know, the, the barras, these support groups are on the way to being banned, but not banned. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see their numbers shrink as well as people say, I don't want to be associated with this, or I don't want to get a, you know, have a headache, but look like it does hang. It does cast a shadow and, uh, and it should it's uh it was terrible it was messed up it's uh and and, and like more than anything needs to be a call to the authorities you've seen certain clubs already take measures in their own stadiums that you know were not mandated by the league or the government just saying hey listen this is the new rule this is what we're going to do or this group is banned or whatever i think a lot of the kind of cobwebs that maybe were just allowed to linger are are being cleaned out whatever they are in each individual market so yeah, I mean that's not a that's not a super direct answer, but I, I think like what happened on the field was simply the teams being worse on the day right. than, than their MLS counterparts. But I think that you could see, despite the fact that I am saying and do think it will be a tough atmosphere, it's possible that had there not been the events of Queretaro, we see even more fans in Leon, even louder support from barras and, and organized groups, and ultimately maybe you know a, an environment that for some reason or another pushes Leon even harder. Um I'd also say like it's a pretty good situation for the Sounders to be in no matter what like even if we say ah oh, it's going to be a tough one it's going to be a good atmosphere like you're still are pretty happy to have three goals so Yeah but, like, it's a good it's a good spot you're playing a team that you've basically put into crisis and you have a three goal advantage so like don't blow it I don't I don't know like it's <laughs> I think it's, like, it's, it's kind of basic it's not crazy tactical analysis I'm not uh you know not Joe Lowry here but like hey Don't, don't botch it. Don't mess it up.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's, and I would hope that's sort of their attitude, which is look, you gotta, you get through the first 45 minutes. And if you still have that shutout, you've accomplished your biggest, your biggest task, because at that point you're making it very difficult. And if the Sounders can score first, I think they put themselves in a, in a very opportunistic situation. They have a roster that is built with veterans who understand how to manage leads. They they're tested in all sorts of competitions they are set up to succeed here, uh and you're right; they just need to not botch it but uh you i think this is a good point to jump off. I wanna plug your newsletter uh I thought you did a really good job with the uh with a piece you did on the whole Queretero uh situation. I think that is a like I would urge all of our listeners to go and look that up uh get concacaf tell us about your newsletter. tell us about how people can. Uh, subscribe to it and what they can expect when they when they subscribe.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I, I I love this region. It's uh, I, I call this newsletter my unironic love letter to to Concacaf. Um, we have jokes, we have bits, but at the same time, um, you know, the the name of the newsletter is getting Concacaf. I say if you if you understand the joke, then the newsletter is for you. Uh, people can check it out at com. Probably easier just find me on Twitter at arnold comma john and click a link basically i felt like a lot of these stories from around the region weren't getting told and in the course of the last year i've been able to tell the story of a guatemala international who used to work in a mail room in los angeles and now he's playing for the guatemala national team you know i think people see like Suriname becoming a good team well i dug into and talked to people that are involved in Suriname politics and the players and coaches that were part of their gold cup team about why uh this surge is happening now how these athletes are now getting passports where they weren't previously able to get them. And then there's some funny stuff too, you know, like why are Caribbean uh, national team jerseys good again? Uh, Talk to some, some logo (laughs) designers, some Jersey designers, what happened to make the Haiti U 23 team play a national team of Mexican fans, not the Mexico national team, fans of the Mexico national team, went to Port-au-Prince to play the Haiti U23s in the game. I tell that story. So I'm always looking for stories around the region um, and then also just kind of have their typical analysis and and deeper looks into things like the CONCACAF Champions League and the World Cup qualification matches. Again, trying to bring this regional perspective and, and kind of give insight that I think is difficult to find or certainly difficult to find in English. So, yeah, I'd love for people to get signed up. It's super helpful if people um, sign up so they get every addition uh, in the inbox. And there's a premium option as well for 50 bucks a year works out to less than a dollar an issue. Um, obviously that helps support my work. I, I certainly don't turn away uh, money. You could actually go above and beyond. I call it the Brown envelope package. If you want to <laughs> slip me a little money under the table and, and a little bit of a wink to, uh, Ghosts of CONCACAF Past, uh, that's an option on the website, but it, just the full subscription is like extremely appreciated. It's 50 bucks for the year, five bucks for the month. This is honestly a great time to subscribe, not only is a CONCACAF Champions League, but I do uh, match-by-match previews of every CONCACAF World Cup qualification match. Um, also, uh, break down every single team's roster. And every single Monday, there's, there's an addition of what I call the CONCACAF catch-up um, news analysis notes from around the region that kind of keeps you up on yes the biggest things happening in the region I always start with Mexico um, with, with what I think is top coverage of Mexico in English uh, but we get down to things like hey St. Kitts and Nevis is playing Andorra in a friendly in March yes that's really happening and this is their roster and this is a player that you should keep an eye on so it is you know a, a holistic view of the CONCAF region would love to have you all over there and uh, we'll look forward to talking about CCL World Cup qualification and and everything else that happens in this wild and crazy region.
0: Yeah, and if anyone's interested in his FC Dallas coverage, you can also find John's uh, coverage of FC Dallas at the Striker, uh, who listeners of this podcast will hopefully be familiar with uh, for other reasons that we've we've talked to people from the Striker for for other stories. So, uh, John's a great resource. Uh, hopefully, you're following him on Twitter. Hopefully, you're subscribing to his newsletter. Thank you so much for coming on, doing this. Uh, I am uh, very much excited about uh Concacaf Champions League and I hope I'm excited about it in a week or in a few days uh because I will be I'll admit that if it's if, if all of a sudden we're it's like three MLS teams and not the Sounders I don't know how interested I'm going to be in this yeah, thing <laughs> well, that's,
1: I mean I wrote that in my 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 analysis piece from the from the first legs I said are we headed for an anti-climax here you know I I think it would be a luxury for MLS which has never had a oh. team win it to debate if it's MLS versus MLS in the final, oh, it's man. still going to feel as sweet but uh, we're not to that point yet we're we are not, not.
0: <laughs> i will i will just say that like if the sounders win Champions League i don't care about any context at all uh, as long as they're the first ones to do it and then after after MLS wins a first one then we can get into like the optics of of who they should be beating and all that other stuff but you got to get that first one before you can start Pretending yeah. like this is a competitive tournament.
1: That's that's what I've always said. I think that MLS, the goal should not be to win CCL once. It should be to consistently be winning CONCACAF Champions League. Right. You can't consistently win CONCACAF Champions League until you've won it. once Once. so we'll see what happens this year I think Cruz Azul might be the fly in the ointment I think they're the most talented team in the competition we'll see what happens tonight against Montreal the big O has that weird CONCACAF Champions League magic but uh whatever talk whatever happens like I said we'll we'll talk about it and hopefully you and I Jeremiah can talk about it uh, in future rounds we'll see
0: absolutely all right well thank you so much uh I'm Jeremiah Chan and you're listening to the Center at Heart podcast